right now a lot of people are stuck at home and I don't think, you know, like I say, I don't think now is the time to be out trying to stockpile beans and rice. But now is an awesome time to be putting in the time dry practicing and doing, uh, you know, body weight exercises at home or. Hey there, and welcome to episode 28 of The Everyday Marksman. The podcast was all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. Our website is everydaymarksman.co, and there you're going to find our podcast, our show notes, our blog, and our awesome community of marksmen just like you. I am your ever-faithful host, Matt Robertson, former military officer turned tech sector corporate grunt, and I want to say thank you for joining me today. This is a special episode because... I am doing a community member highlight. Now, the last time I did this was in October of last year, October 2019. And the goal of this is to highlight some of the awesome people that we have running around in our community and sharing experiences and giving advice and just being awesome members. So today we are highlighting Justin, who is otherwise known as Graveyard Fields in the Everyday Marksman's community, which is the Marksman's Quarter. Now, Justin is a prolific blogger in his own right with quite an interesting backstory. So he is a former Marine Special Operations member, MARSOC, and he has been deployed several times and he is and he runs a blog called Swift Silent Deadly. And it's all about preparedness across a spectrum of potential problems you may run across in the world. So it's about all hazards resilience. And he has a a wide span of topics he covers from lock picking to securing your house to prepping as well as firearms training. So I think it's a, it's an awesome kind of perspective that he brings to things. And I was really excited to get him onto this podcast so we could talk about it. All right. So before we get to it, a couple admin notes. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. I am glad you are here. If you enjoy what you hear, make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player or subscribe on our website at everydaymarksman.co and you'll be able to get updates when we have new episodes out. All right. And as always, if you are pressed for time, you can jump to the last 10 minutes or so and you'll get my key takeaways from this awesome interview with Justin. All right. Are you ready? Let's get to it. All right, Justin, welcome to the Everyday Marksman. Hey, thanks for having me on, Matt. So I'm going to open up the question here. Uh, your blog is Swift, Silent, Deadly, and you talk about a lot of topics regarding general preparedness and readiness. And I love the ones on on pepper spray, which I've shared to my wife and uh, reference a lot as a good example. So I want to ask, how did you get into talking about that topic? Uh, about pepper spray specifically? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. I know that's the example I led with, but no, just more the general preparedness from, you know, uh, raised bed gardening and pepper spraying and your everyday care in your vehicle and med kits, like all, the whole gamut of stuff. So, man, oh man, this is a, this could potentially be a very, very big answer. So, um, oh boy, where do I want to lead off with this one? So I think there's a trope in film, the competent man. Uh, in TV shows like um, Burn Notice with uh, Michael Weston or MacGyver or the guy that no matter what situation you throw him in, he knows the exact knot to tie to 
hoist this thing up or he knows the exact chemicals to mix together to make it burn through the plastic to save his friend or whatever. There's there's that trope in movies. And as a product of the 1980s, um, uh, I kind of started off life wanting that backstory. And um, I, that's kind of on the brain right now because I've been asked a couple times to ruminate on pros and cons of joining the military. And I just wrote that article today. Um, and that's one of the things I said. I joined the military and chose the path I did because I wanted a backstory. I wanted to be the competent man. I wanted someone that's pretty good at a lot of things. I don't know why that appeals to me so much. Um, I certainly admire expertise and there are people out there in any of these topics you just mentioned and every single topic I touch on that are spend their entire lives going down that one very specific rabbit hole. And um, we need people like that. We need experts. We need people that are the guru on the mountain that you go talk to when you have this unsolvable question after spending most of your life working on it. That's who you go to. And I appreciate that level of expertise, but that's not really for me. Um, you know, it, it, the overused Heinlein quote that specialization is in, is for insects, I think appeals to me much more broadly. Um, and another thing I had, I have two other blogs and both are fairly successful as far as the amount of traffic they receive and all that. And on both of those, I followed the standard bloggers advice of specialize, make your blog very, very specialized and very specific and make it attract a certain audience that's searching for certain things. Um, and after about five years of trying to produce content every single week about a very, very narrow range of topics, it becomes a, a lot like work. Like, yeah, I got to come up with, uh, you know, I got to write about some very minor update to this thing because my readers will will want to see that. And it's, it turns kind of into Groundhog Day. So that's kind of the genesis for Swift Silent Deadly is um, sometimes I feel a little bit... Um, like, like participating on your forum, I feel a little bit bad. I weigh in on a lot of different topic areas and I'm like, man, I, I am just like the guy running through here commenting on all these like broadly different topics. But at the same time, um, I've kind of set myself up to have a decent amount of experience in a lot of different things. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not the, the man on the mountain for any of them. No, it's funny because uh, I remember the exact same blogging advice you're talking about. Oh, specialize, find your niche, niche down, niche down, niche down, or niche down, however they want to say it. But but at the same time, it right, it does feel limiting. And in the reality, like with what I write about, it's there's a lot of well, yeah, that's interesting, but it's it's a whole widespread capability. So I appreciate that you jump in there and the uh jump in all the other topics. I think that's the kind of person that you want in the community to say, like, hey, there's more to it than buying the latest gear and knowing the medical. But anyway, that's that's sidetracking. I, I think you've got I, I think your brand is is open enough that you could specialize as much or as little as you want. Um, I mean, what is a marksman? It's uh, it's not just a person that sits in the prone position at the 200 yard line. It's it's uh, I want my marksman to be able to actually move himself from point A to point B and accomplish a bunch of implied tasks on the way in order to get in a position to put rounds on target. Um, like if you were rifle scopes weekly or something, that'd be a tough blog. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't want to go off on a tangent though, because I think that that idea of the general competent, competent man is a really good one. And so I guess we have the first question, which is obviously this is kind of a timely thing. We are maybe a couple months into this COVID panic of what's going on in the world. Toilet paper is still not back on the shelves. Um, I don't know with everything that's going on from your point of view, what does this say about the average person's mindset? 
I think the mindset of pretty much everyone, average person, prepper, whomever, I, and myself, I think there's some element of anxiety, uh, some element of we're all essentially facing a thing that maybe no one alive has ever, ever faced, ever experienced. Uh, and it's natural for there to be some anxiety there. Um, some people are saying this is the next black plague and some people are saying it's the flu. Both of those things are wrong. If there's one common thread throughout human history, it's a history of getting things dead wrong. Um, just, a. a illustrious history of getting things wrong and believing things that were later proven to be false. And I'm, I'm not sure why anyone has a super strong air of certainty about this is going to be bad or the media is overhyping this because they hate the economy or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> we don't know. So if there's some anxiety there, change, uncertainty um, is, is a classic provocation of anxiety and I can't really fault anyone for that. I am kind of anxious about what, tomorrow or next month or December will look like. Um, so when it comes to kind of the average person who is now faced with this uncertainty and like the first thing they go right out of the stores is toilet paper, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I kind of wonder what drives that behavior. I, I have my ideas. Um, I even said it in the episode, but I'm kind of like wonder for the average person who has never really thought about what are the bad things that can happen to me and what can I do about it? to think ahead of time. Like, I know, I wonder what goes through their minds right now. I don't know. And the toilet paper thing, who knows? I, I think I might've listened to your episode. Uh, you know, your friend says, Oh, I stocked up on toilet paper. So then you're like, Oh, that's a good idea. You go get toilet paper and you see someone else with a cart full of toilet paper and you're like, Oh, they're buying a bunch. Maybe I should. Um, I, I don't, I don't know why that's the poster child for, uh, for this, but. <laughs> Moving on from that one, then um, for for the average like prepper who has been thinking about the stuff for a while, you know we've ha- we've seen people who feel like no big deal. Some people who are like, yeah, I got I got caught flat footed because I didn't have X. I'm like, there's a huge run guns right now, for instance. Though most of that's first time buyers. What do you think is different for them? Like if they didn't see it coming, so got caught flat footed. I think the huge run on guns is first time buyers. I would I would agree largely with that. And I've heard a couple anecdotes about. Yeah, I have a friend that's like, uh, why, why are you buying guns? And then they go buy some, get super gouged on like a Keltec rifle or something. Um, I on the the runs on ammo, man. I kind of got to believe the type of people that are buying ammo by the case right now are probably uh, more firearms minded type people. Um, I I don't know if your newbie is active in that marketplace yet. Um, I, I feel like that's probably the domain of the the firearms enthusiast, the prepper, what have you. I feel like that's probably where a lot of people got caught flat footed. Just we're just seeing that. And I to be fair, I wrote an article in May of 2018 called Panic Now, Building Your Ammo Inventory, uh, with some very simple, hey, if you go to the range and shoot two boxes of ammo, buy three and take them home. And then next time, take those two boxes of ammo and buy three and you build gradually over time or order a couple of cases and set them aside and don't drop below that level. Um, I'm going to go off on a tangent. Um, probably not what you want to hear, but it's what I want to <laughs> say. About it? Um, I think we have a super unhealthy industry because of like kind of the, the panic button nature of, of firearm sales. Uh, we saw this with the Obama election. We saw 
Man, I, I was I still remember being in Afghanistan when the election was occurring and all the banners on all the websites are like, get it now while you still can. We have this thing where people spend all their elective gun money in these orgies of let's buy everything there is out there. Um, so the industry selling everything as fast as they can, they ramp up production. It completely hampers the ability of people that just shoot on a regular basis to continue their normal routine. And then stuff sits in warehouses for years on end. And, you know, I've talked to places like um, third-party distributors that are neither manufacturer nor uh, whatever. They sell by the case online um, to see, hey, man, can I, can I get a couple bucks off ammo or could you throw me some ammo in exchange for advertising? And the response I've gotten from all of them is like, dude, <laughs> like we barely break even. We make about five bucks on a case of ammo like so we force the industry into this these doldrums of just barely struggling to hang on or the industry's doing great but the consumer's suffering because as a consumer what can you go by right now nothing i think that is super problematic i think everybody needs to buy an extra box of ammo a month for their entire life instead of trying to buy 10 cases this one time when like after the election happens like that's dumb man you um, also this attitude that, oh, there's a Republican in office, so nothing bad will ever happen again in the future. I don't need to worry about anything ever when really it probably should be. Yeah, I know there's going to be another election. I know there's eventually a Democrat is going to be elected and people are going to freak out again, or there's going to be a Sandy Hook or there's going to be a coronavirus. Um, just general short sightedness with things like that drive me nuts. I'm also going to head off your last question. What do I wish people would stop doing? It's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so uh, sorry. Um, so you sorry. Stole to, it. <laughs> sorry to uh, to completely go off on a on a tangent there, but um, it seems like a lot of people were caught flat footed on that. And there's always this attitude. If, if well, to put myself in this position, a year ago, had this happened, one year earlier. I would have been in a 740 square foot apartment inside of a major metro area in the United States with my girlfriend and three dogs and, you know, 400 other doors in that apartment building. That would not have been a great situation. And there's always the thing of like, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Like I've got time to, um, to get my, get, you know, whatever antibiotics are a thing that I've been putting off. Like I know I need to, I have a pretty robust medical capability. I have boxes and boxes of bandages and over-the-counter medications and stuff like that. Um, antibiotics are a thing that, like, yeah, I should lay in some, you know, doxy and amoxicillin, whatever. And it's been a thing of like, ah, I'll get to that when I get paid next, um, because there's this, kind of this mindset of, I guess it's the competing thing of the person that just gets in it into prepping wants to buy everything right now uh, versus the, ah, that can wait until I get this bonus or that can wait until I do this job and get this uh, extra money. And then uh, it turns out it can't really wait because right now, mm -hmm. good luck getting antibiotics too. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that comes back to what I said with the normalcy bias where, well, things have been okay so far, so I can just, I can wait on that one. And then, and then it's only fine until it's not. And I think that applies to so many things in life, not just like an emergency, but even health someone's physical health. Like I can only eat terribly until the day that you get diabetes, or you can only like work out incorrectly until the day you actually get injured. And then you're, and then you're, you're injured. Like you're, what are you gonna do for that point? So I think there's kind of a, a healthy mindset balance people have to get to. 
lot, a lot of good points in that. Just on the personal health thing, like I wish I would have done a dentist appointment six weeks ago. Like I, I definitely don't want to go to the dentist now. Probably about that time for a checkup or whatever. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure when I'm going to be going to the dentist again. So, um, yeah, those things we know that we need to do, and you know. It, it, it's impossible to be perfectly prepared for anything. I feel pretty well prepared here. Uh, about a year ago, I moved to uh, about a two acre property and on the side of a mountain, uh, spent the winter uh, clearing a lot of our property, building raised beds. And we had a wood stove put in. I actually cut down a couple trees today from the woodlot for next year. We are in a massively better situation than we were. And, and it's easy to get into this lull of like, ah, dude, we're hundred percent better than, 99% of people, but it, if the emergency is a year long emergency or a six month long emergency, one month is, a, is way better than most people, but that still only gets you one twelfth of the way. It's, it's still not enough. So it's a constant balance. Yeah. So something uh, you said to me recently was that the time to prepare your stuff was months and years ago. And now is the time to prepare yourself. So I want to expand on what does that mean? Um, so kind of a, um, it kind of means exactly what it says, but it's also a little bit of a metaphor. So metaphorically speaking, the time to prepare was yesterday. Um, if you're already ready, there's, there's no reason to get ready. If you already have the things that you need to have, the physical goods that you need to have to carry on, regardless of what the problem is, you don't need to be out at the grocery store four days a week right now trying to you know, scrape and scrounge those bags of rice that aren't there. Um, I'm sure the situation's a little bit different in various areas in the country, but uh, rice is a thing that has been out of my grocery store every time I've went for the last, I don't know, two weeks, rice and dried beans, um, which those are pretty consistent staples in our diet. And obviously the classic prepper thing, we have quite a bit of rice and beans, but um Now's not the time to lay in those types of preps. Uh, but right now, a lot of people are stuck at home. And I don't think, you know, like I say, I don't think now's the time to be out trying to stockpile beans and rice. But now's an awesome time to be putting in the time dry practicing and doing, uh, you know, body weight exercises at home or like doing goblet squats with those 30 pound buckets of rice or, um, uh, learning to tie knots or learning any number of skills. Like there are all kinds of online courses and all kinds of things. If you can talk your roommate or your significant other into it, I'm sure you could find some sort of like uh, online combatives training that you could work through with that person. There's like, now's an awesome time to be just plowing through a bunch of books. Unfortunately, everybody's probably just watching the tiger King on Netflix, mm -hmm. but um, now's the time to be, this would be the time that I would want to say, yeah, I started my website. Yes, I finished my book during coronavirus when I was stuck at home. That's when I learned how to do how to do whatever to learn Morse code, learned yeah. whatever. Like walk away from this with something to show for it. I'll throw out there as a plug for for this month's Marksman Challenge. Study for your ham radio license. Oh man. I yeah, I need to get on that. You mentioned being caught flat-footed. I have no communication capability, and I have family members that live, I don't know, 10 minutes away. And immediately uh, when things started getting crazy, I was like, man, if we lose cell phones, we have no way to, to communicate with them. Now, like immediately I saw, yeah, I totally get why radios would be useful. I, I, that's always been a thing of kind of question of like, eh, 
like what am I going to do with some walkie talkies? Like what, like what am I going to do with some, some radios? But immediately I see the usefulness of that. I'd be curious. Um, you also, was there anything that you were like, Oh wow. Yeah. Now I see why this, um, I wish I had X. So for me, so to go back to my background in the nuclear weapons world, right? So it's, it's, I, I looked at everything in terms of if I was down in my bunker, you know, underground and, and the nuclear war kicked off and I didn't die in the first 10 minutes. Um, I was looking at it from a perspective of what did I, what did the government and the air force think I needed to have down there to make sure I could keep doing my job. And so that was having enough supplies like food and water and other stuff that was, uh, I mean, defensive tools, um, comma was one of those. So it's, it's, uh, we did, we had so many comm systems down there that it just became really apparent to me that communication is important. So like, that's why I jumped on the ham radio thing, uh, trying to work on it now though. Like I got my radio sitting over here and it's like, I don't get to use it very much because lo and behold, I realized after bought it, just owning it doesn't make you good at it. <laughs> and I, I need to learn more about antennas and how to reach out locally I don't know if I'm trying to think of what really hit me is like, man, I should be on top of that. I think it would probably be probably more some of the day-to-day items. Like, cause I'm pretty, pretty well, like we're pretty well set on our ammunition, um, weapons. Like we've got food, a variety of like, oh, we've got the survival level stuff. And then like the day-to-day stuff we'd like to eat. But I think a lot of just the day-to-day items, uh, paper towels, you know, or like just let the, some of the cleaning supplies to mop the floors, which, you know, been able to get a hold of most of that stuff lately. But I just realizing that that's the kind of thing that I didn't expect having, having a backstore of like the day to day, how do you just take care of your house, take care of yourself, but also entertainment, I think was a big one. I, I kind of went off the deep end there. And uh, when all this started going off and I knew was he's staying home a lot more, we went and bought a bunch of games and like, and not like, like a, uh, the simple ones, like these are like the more complicated ones that take time to learn that like really challenge you to stay engaged with it. So, um, yeah, I think that was kind of a big one. It's just some ways to keep your mind occupied and also relationships growing. Cause I think it'd be also easy to like go off and just do your own thing all the time. That's really interesting. Um, and that's a, that's a thing that has occurred to me. Uh, well, two things there, the entertainment thing, which I had been thinking about a little bit and we had bought, I think three puzzles and they're just kind of sitting on a shelf in the closet and it's like, ah, let's do a puzzle. Like when's the last time you did a puzzle? Um, so we did one of those the other day and that was, it's actually really like we would pick around on it for a little while and then go do yard work and then circle back. Um, but yeah, board games were like Amazon sold out of board games right now. We're completely caught off guard with that, but yeah, I wish we had some, I don't know, Cones of Dunshire or whatever, if you're a Parks and Rec fan. Um, um, But the other thing, I think when you envision, quote unquote, prepping, there's this mindset of like, oh, it's going to go from like what it is now to like suddenly cooking everything over a survival fire and like not showering for days and days and days. But there are, you know, 50 rungs on the ladder and about 47 of those have you still living in your house and trying to function like as normally as possible. And, and yeah, I think that's a really easy thing to, to forget there. Like we, um, ah, oh man, I'm going to sound like a, I'm going to sound like a hippie really. It's cause I'm cheap. Like most of our household cleaners are like white vinegar and baking soda. Um, we don't have a lot of disinfecting. Also we have septic, so I don't want to put a bunch of chemicals into our septic system. We don't have a bunch of like disinfecting, um, 
chemicals like Lysol or whatever. We had one random can of Lysol that my girlfriend bought like a year ago to, to spray the bathroom trash cans with. And that's pretty much what we were, what we were stuck with when this hit. So, um, like we, like we've been really, really judicious in the use of that, <laughs> like cleaning our high traffic areas and whatever. But, um, yeah, that was kind of an oversight on my part as well. Um, and I had like, I'd even envisioned having like a, you know, buying a kiddie pool and having a decontamination station and, uh, you know, not necessarily for this, for whatever, but like never thought of having anything that actually is a like, like medical grade type disinfectant. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you made an interesting point there about this, the spectrum of kind of dysfunction. And I think I, I'm just as guilty as, as what you just said of thinking like one day the balloon's going to go up and it's going to go from my normal life to the boogaloo. And it's just going to be chaos. And it's going to be wearing like Mad Max style football pads and spiked helmets. And it's just going to be chaos. And, and I think what you said is Rick really true is that there's, there's a long distance where that, not that we ever get to like, to, to wearing like, uh, uh, what's the word SNN gear out in public just because that's the apocalypse. But, but like, you know, there's increments there's, Hey, regular services are hard to come by. And then maybe there's like, we've seen police are going to stop arresting for X, Y, Z crimes. Um, and then there's, Oh, we're releasing prisoners back out because, well, they're not, we don't think they're going to be that big of a problem. And then you, you just see this slow escalation where the heat turns up, but that's not immediate. It's not just like one day it's all chaos. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's, there's something to be said for thinking about what happens in the middle. Yeah. And, and I think possibly um, not to, not to pat myself on the back. Um, I just situationally, I was primed to think about this. I think there's a big overlook when it comes to uh, human resources. Um, there's a, uh, the idea of the me and my family are going to lock the doors and nobody's mm. nobody's coming in that that is great until anyone's outside of your house your house is probably not super hardened you're not going to sit inside your house with the doors locked and the windows nailed shut for a year having that human network having and i am still severely severely lacking it here even though we have made extraordinary efforts and we do have very friendly relationships with all our neighbors but as far as having like a single other person I trust with a rifle, like kind of watching my back that, that I don't have that, you know, the, the nobody's coming into my house. This food's for me and my family works great until your wife's sister and her husband show up and your wife's like, well, if you're not letting them in, I'm going with them. Uh, this has kind of exposed a lot of the, you know, fantasy from the kind of the reality of the situation. Like, yeah, this, this is kind of a crazy situation. Like some people are probably using their preps right now. Like, we are, we're choosing to kind of just pull back a little bit. Every time I go, there's two places I don't want to be right now and that's in jail or the hospital. Cause I have really no control over my own destiny in either one of those. I may be on a, mm. uh, you know, some sort of life support equipment. Uh, and that may be because I've got COVID-19 or it may be because somebody stabbed me over my groceries in the parking lot of a grocery store. Um, I don't want to yeah. be in jail because I shot that person that tried to stab me over my groceries. I can just, minimize all of those things by not leaving my house and I'm not being, I'm not being paranoid. Um, there's just, there's just not a lot of need. I'm kind of making an assessment of my safety index. I'm, uh, that's another thing I've done a lot recently is 
all the power tools are put away and we have a conversation about like, okay, is this really worth, is it worth breaking out the chainsaw right now? Um, I, my brother-in-law is a former logger and about two months ago, he had a pretty serious chainsaw accident that put him out of commission for a month and put him in the hospital for a while. So, uh, I'm not, not doing those things, but I'm thinking much more carefully about their necessity and about, um, is this, is this something that actually needs to get done? Is there another way to do it? Uh, and if, and if not, if I have to use this chainsaw, what are best practices? Do I have the PPE I need to, to accomplish this? Yeah. I think the PPE thing is interesting and just, just general, just general, uh, safety. I think that's something people forget, especially when, when it's just so convenient to get medical care for something. Like it's just so easy. Like you, you forget that, in the, in the long term of human history, getting a scratch at the wrong t- place in time was fatal. And you don't want to be in that kind of position again. Like if you didn't have any kind of antibiotic or ointment for you because well, you never thought about it or it was always as convenient to, oh, let's go to urgent care and take care of it. Like, you know, being mindful of, well, this, this actually is an inherently risky activity. Do I actually have all the tools to be safe doing it? Which gets into kind of risk estimation. We in this community place a ton of emphasis on human threats. Um, not leaving my house without a gun. I'm not, you know, always have two guns on me or whatever. Um, man, you're almost guaranteed to go your whole life and never fire a single shot in anger. It, it that's pretty statistically accurate. Um, but a car accident, man, like you should be saying, I avoid driving every chance I get. I avoid the highway every possible opportunity. Uh, because man, it is an inherently dangerous activity. It's probably the most dangerous thing any of us undertake. And how many of us have sought any kind of ancillary training or additional training, supplemental training when it comes to driving? Almost no one. Um, it, I, I, just poor risk estimators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about this relative risk estimation where just because you do it all the time doesn't mean it's not dangerous. People that study risk estimation um, posit that we tend to overestimate risks that are caused by humans. We tend to overestimate security risks um, versus safety risks uh, because things that are caused by other humans are more frightening to us for some reason. We also tend to emphasize the extraordinary over the mundane, um, and that's just by just by nature of the fact that things that happen commonly are no longer news. Four hundred thousand people a year die from obesity related illnesses. That's not new because that's thousands of people a day, over a thousand people a day. Um, if you ran a news story for every one of those people, that's all you would see all day. We just get kind of numb to it. Mm -hmm. Um, we tend to focus on the extraordinary, like plane crashes. Um, plane crashes are extraordinarily uncommon, insanely uncommon. Um, also, if you exclude the crashes where everyone dies and there's no possibility of anyone surviving, which is a small percentage overall, if you exclude those, you have about a 99% chance of walking away from a plane crash. Um, and I got that out of Ben Sherwood's book, The Survivor's Club, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why, which strongly recommended, really, really good book. Um, you're almost guaranteed to walk away from a crash unless it's one of these you know, plane disappearing in the middle of the Indian Ocean type crashes. Um, but we really, really emphasize that risk. Like I know families that like won't all fly together and it's like, uh, but you guys all drive together. That's way more dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're just poor at, at assessing risk and, and mm-hmm. 
focus on the the extraordinary, the newsworthy. So I think that that comes back to the idea of familiarity breeds complacency. And I think we even see that in the gun community, right? Um, I, I will admit I, I made safety mistakes in the past where I got too complacent and I could have had a really nasty ND right into the center mass of one of my best friends. Uh, you know, and that was the moment where I was like, you know what? That was complacency. That was complacency. Whereas most people who don't know anything about firearms are, are like, they're terrified of them in general because they know nothing about it. And it's just that the more familiar you get, I think there's this curve where you do it more. So you're more complacent about it, but doesn't mean you need to stop thinking about, Hey, what's correct procedures or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're it, easy to do. Um, and, and I have, man, I've, huh. I, I shouldn't even say this. I've never had a negligent discharge, accidental discharge, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I've, man, I've come real, real close. And boy, there's something about that that really um, refocuses you on, yeah, I can never let my guard down. I, I, I've got to be 100% serious about this every time. And that's, that's the thing I actually talked about giving up is uh, dry practice. Uh, so I dry practice daily. Um, and I like ran that by my girlfriend, like maybe I should not be doing all this administrative gun handling right now. Uh, just like it, it does expose you to some additional layer of risk. Okay. So I want to get to another question here. So, um, for a lot of people out there who are now looking at this whole situation and just kind of smacked across the face with, this is now, this is reality. And here's all these things I found myself not thinking about before, do you have any kind of sense of like, what should their priorities be like between personal safety and then like, or like their preps or just kind of, I don't know. What's your opinion on that? I've tried to write this article a few times. I don't know what to call this, but uh, I think everything has to occur in kind of an online type system. It does you no good to have a year of, of mountain house meals on pallets in your second bedroom of your apartment. If you have 10 gallons of water, Um, like that, that water is not going to, you're not going to be able to take advantage of all that food. Um, I don't have, uh, 10 extra chainsaw chains and three extra bars and an extra chainsaw here, because if I'm at the point where I can't go to the store and get another chainsaw chain, I'm probably not going to be able to get the gasoline to keep those chainsaws running. It, It doesn't make sense to bank a million of this one thing. So, um, kind of proceeding in that orderly online a little bit of water, a little bit of food, a little bit of uh, medical capability, shelter capability. Um, and right now, pretty much everybody has their existing shelter, which is their house, their apartment, whatever. And that like that could change. Um, one thing I definitely want to point out is just because this coronavirus thing is on doesn't mean tornadoes, earthquakes, wildfires, terrorism events, chemical spills, volcanoes, all that other crap is off the table. Any or all or some combination of those things could still occur that could displace a lot of people, um, which we, which would compound a lot of problems we're having right now. Uh, well, it just happened in Tennessee, right? There was all these tornadoes that hit and yeah. it just, it barely made a scratch in the news because everybody's focusing on the virus. Yeah. Uh, is that the, uh, Nashville, the tornado that went through downtown Nashville? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty, that's pretty crazy. But yeah, everybody's focused on, Everybody's focused on this, but um, uh, mm, million different ways we could go with this. I think the FEMA three-day 
uh, guidance is a good starting point. Like the ability to shelter in place for three days and be completely self-sufficient is a good starting point to be able to feed yourself, hygiene yourself, water yourself, and, you know, go to the bathroom, keep yourself warm or cool as the case may be, depending on where you live. Like basically survival type mode, not being probably super comfortable or not being fully satiated at the end of every meal or whatever. But um, I would say that three-day model is is an okay starting point. Man, I would love to see everybody in this country at like two weeks. I think, man, if you could just say, yeah, yeah, we don't really have to worry about anybody for two weeks. How much more efficiently could could FEMA, whomever, National Guard, whomever, manage their resources and really focus in on those people that are trapped on the roofs of their houses or or whatever? Without having to say, yeah, we and we also have to feed all these people over here because their grocery store didn't get a delivery um, because we're in this just in time inventory type system. Um, I don't know. That's probably not going to happen. But that is kind of one encouraging thing that that is going on right now. There aren't suddenly more people now. There aren't people aren't eating way more now. Uh, People are consuming the same quantity of food, but the grocery store shelves are, are bought down which means, and some of that's due to restaurants being closed. Um, but hopefully people are starting to lay in a couple of weeks of supplies. People are starting to be a little bit more preparedness minded. Maybe. I think there's also an argument to go back to what you said earlier. Uh, there's a good argument here to learn how to do more with what you've got versus having the perfect tool for every job is, well, you know, you can actually use this one thing to do several different jobs, you know, um, and then you've got time to learn how, you know, work on yourself <laughs> for those skills to go back to, uh, and I had an interview with, with uh, steer instructor, Mike Moore, and that's the same thing he said, the more you know how to do, the less you have to carry. I think prepping your supplies for mercies can be the same way. The more you know how to do with what you've got, the less stuff you feel like you have to keep hoarding on hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I, I, had almost that exact same thought in the military. So I was a radio operator, um, on my, in, in the teams in the military in, in the, I was a MARSOC Marine, uh, radio operator on every team I was ever on and everything that was a, had a battery, everybody just assumes, Oh, that goes to the radio operator. And there were all these super complex, like call for fire systems that, you know, had all these, man, just green boxes that weighed 60 pounds a piece. And it's like, wait, I like if I know how to do a nine line really, really well, and I have an islet and like some, some basic equipment, like I can get steel on steel um, without having to carry around like all this stuff that should probably be in the back of a vehicle somewhere that like the more, you know how to do and the better you can, you can execute those things. Probably the you're absolutely right. And I, I did listen to that episode. He's absolutely right. I love that philosophy. The more, you know how to do the less crap you need. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to, since you already took away the question I usually ask everybody, <laughs> um, another question then is rather than what is the one thing you wish people would stop doing? What is the thing you wish people would start doing right now? Oh man. Um, man on the spot, <laughs> which yeah, I, I totally have it coming. Um, I, I don't know. I hope people are taking some of this to heart. I hope people are um, are kind of seeing that, yeah, especially in the face of like a nationwide or 
or again, something almost unseen by humanity, by anyone living today, a worldwide crisis. You can't always rely on anyone to step in and fix it for you. I'm sure a handful of people are still like, oh, yeah, if anything bad happens here, the government will just drop off. I don't know. Do whatever. Like this. They can't leave us without food. Uh, but I hope some people are and and are taking this to heart and kind of understanding that, yeah, we live in a very artificial system. Everything we have is is on this very tenuous foundation that relies on all kinds of software and all kinds of things that if they break, can't be immediately replaced like these, you know, immense elect. I don't know if you've ever read Lights Out by Ted Koppel, but he talks about some of the major pieces of infrastructure that keep the electrical system going. And some of these um, components, if they break, they weigh like 400 to 600,000 pounds. And we only have a few rail cars that can even move those things. And they take six months to build and they're all built overseas. Um, like if those things go out, it's not just a matter of like, oh, let's just plug the spare in and, and we pick back mm. up. Um, we live in a very artificial system. Um, Sunshine Shooter, who is a uh, contributor on your uh, forum, uh, who I think you and I both have probably linked to him at some point, uh, some of his articles, uh, recently wrote an article called Peace is the Exception that I actually, with his permission, reposted. And the 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 meme is perfect. It, it's two images. Uh, the top image is guys like next to a spray painted tank in Russia shooting AK-47s. Uh, and the bottom image is a you know middle-class neighborhood. And it says, this is the natural state of humanity, uh, the guys at war. This is an anomaly, and it could end at any time. The the middle class, everybody with 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and a dog. Um, I know I'm rambling on, but I, I think that's what I wish people would understand is, is our system is very artificially supported, very like – um, there's a million and one things that could go wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not the, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the, I'm not the guy that's reading like the wind maps and know where all the nuclear installations are for me and whatever. I think, I think it's real easy to get hyper-focused on specific threats, but there's a million little things that could go wrong. I'm, I'm a big proponent as my friend, Rich Brown says of all hazards preparedness. Uh, I just kind of want to be generally ready for anything that comes my way. All right. Well, Justin, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, where can they go? Uh, SwiftSilentDeadly.com. Um, contact page there. Please get in touch with me. Love interacting with, uh, with whomever. Well, Justin, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, I'll see you around the community. Awesome, Matt. Thanks so much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Justin Graveyard Fields. So this was a community member highlight. And if you are new to my interviews, you know, I like to have a couple big takeaways from every interview I have. And this one is no exception. So I really wrote down two, but there's kind of sub points to each of these. So the two I got here are number one, humans get things wrong. Uh, Justin said it in a way that I thought was pretty direct, which was that humans have a long and storied history of getting things wrong. Uh, and I think this whole disease COVID pandemic that we've been dealing with is a great example of that, because I think a lot of people in the prepping world assumed a lot of things that just aren't true about how this has happened. 
for example. I think a lot of people, including me, always envisioned that when the day comes that you have to start using the things you prepared for, then it's going to be without rule of law. It's going to be chaos. It's just going to be like a switch has flipped. And then now you're on your own. And as we have all been living, that's not the case. There is a long period of, of several steps going from normal life to kind of uncomfortable normal life to normal life with a bit more scarcity and so on and so on until you get to wearing football pads and leather gear uh, like you're in the movies, like it's the apocalypse. Um, we're not there. We're probably not going to get there. So we were wrong. And I think that's a valuable lesson. And I think part of that is also saying that you can't really predict what is going to happen. The people who prepare for very specific events, I am going to buy a ton of gear and live in my underground bunker so I can prepare for a nuclear war. Well, okay, but that's probably not what's going to happen. In fact, you don't know what's going to happen, so you should plan for more resilience across the board than trying to plan for specific events that you're going to prepare and be ready for when that one single zombie apocalypse happens. Because if you're only good at that one thing, then you're going to have a ton of blind spots all around the rest of the place. Now, the, the next big thing that, that Justin referenced in this one was preparing slowly over time. We kind of touched on this one at several points throughout the discussion. Uh, and it got phrased as, hey, when you go to the shooting range, you know, instead of just buying two boxes of ammo going home, buy three boxes of ammo, shoot two, take one home. And then when you go back to the range next time, same thing, shoot two, take one home, uh, go to the grocery store. You need to buy two cans of chopped tomatoes, two cans of tomato sauce, buy three, take one home, save it. And eventually over time, when you do this over and over and over again, without costing you a ton of extra money, you build up a healthy supply that's going to last you for a long time. The counter to this and what we keep seeing when it comes to panic buying of either groceries and toilet paper and paper towels or ammunition and firearms is that we go through this boom bust cycle where everybody panics and realizes, oh no, I need to buy something and they go buy everything. In which case, it puts a lot of strain on the supply chains. People now who need things can't get it. A great example of this is happening right now where people who have babies can't get baby wipes. And they actually needed baby wipes, but people who can't get toilet paper are just now hoarding baby wipes. So you run into these situations where people who actually need the thing and didn't buy a ton of it ahead of time now can't get that thing they needed. And if everybody kind of took the mentality of, well, maybe I'll buy one extra every time I go to the store... And then you have a healthy stash, you wouldn't have that problem. And along with that, Justin did mention that, hey, now that we're in this phase of having to live off of our preparations a little bit, potentially, you know, now is not the time to go trying to find pallets of rice and beans. Now you should be trying to learn the other skills, uh, learn how to tie knots, learn a little bit of marksmanship, work on your physical fitness a bit safely because you don't want to get injured. Learn how to do radio communications, but pick something that you can do from home when you're isolated and you're going to be safe. All right. And that is my two big takeaways from this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, this is episode 28 of the Everyday Marksman. My one big ask for you at the end of this episode is if you enjoyed what you heard, then please Share it with a friend. Share this podcast with somebody who you think would enjoy it and then get them into our community. All right, and then one last bit. This whole episode was sponsored by me. That's right. We, as the Everyday Marksman, 
and our community, the Marxist Quarter, are sponsoring this episode, which means it's not really sponsored. I'm just saying that our community sponsored it. But the Everyday Marxian community, which is the Marxist Quarter, is a new kind of way of connecting with other people, both close to you and focused on self-improvement. And more importantly, it is away from the blue and white walls of tech giants who, who do not have your best interests at heart. All right, that is it for me. I will see you in two weeks. I'm taking next week off just to spend a little bit more time with the family, take a little break. All right, in our next episode, we are interviewing an Olympic rifle shooter to get a perspective on a winning mindset as well as what it takes to get to that level of marksmanship skill. All right, that is it. I will see you later.